0: What artists would you put on a playlist that matches the energy of She, she Will Rock You?
1: Lilith Zarr. Yes. Yeah. Do I only get one choice? No, you can do Oh, more. say Diamante. Mm-hmm. Go check out her interview from like a year ago. With her, that was a good interview. That was a great interview. Uh, um, no, bro, because I've been listening to their new album that dropped, mm-hmm. and my drunk brain can't think of any more right this second. That's fair. I'll,
0: I'll 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 chirp in.
1: I would say Queen Herbie, because
0: <laughs> I feel like there's some good bad bitch magic. There is some very good bad bitch magic. K Flay, we're gonna have K Flay in that K-fly list. K Flay should be on there um mothica yes very good mothica energy and then probably the doja cat celebrity skins energy that
1: is a fucking good cover i played that
0: for my niece and she was singing along with it and we played olivia rodrigo for her as she you should was singing along with that as well um and then i would say probably dead sarah mm. dead sarah is very good those are the bands I. Can we should make
1: a playlist we should you can get back in the playlisting game. Yeah, one of these days. We were really good at it for a while. And the, for four th- months. <laughs> and then that was too much work. It,
0: it is. It's a lot of work to curate playlists. It's a big game now. Yeah. Like people. So, like, we get press releases to interview. All the time. But some of these big playlists that Spotify put together get press releases just to add people onto there are, those playlists. I
1: saw a TikTok of a girl who's a professional playlist curator. Mm-hmm. just by herself but she had so many followers in the playlist she made yeah that she gets like a couple hundred bucks a pop just to get Jeez. a song playlisted like it's become a thing yeah it's crazy i don't understand
0: no neither do i
1: anyway i'm drunk Bethan. i'm somewhat drunk leah and this
0: is a very drunk episode of she will <laughs> rock you where are they getting a dump in a, dub a CPS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my <laughs> thermostat. The ghost be like, pull up before I haul you. Let me turn down the thermostat. Who <laughs> is this man? We're on page one, guys.
1: <laughs> this is Rock You after dark. <laughs> after dark.
0: I feel like we need Taco Bell for it to be after we dark. We need a, ne- a neon logo. Meal.
1: Neon logo. Yes. Um. Leave us a review. There's your reminder. Yes. Leave us a review. We're Do at 69, so we don't really want to mess up the nice factor. D- fuck it. Don't leave us her review. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you want to be the one that ruins it, please leave us a review. Yes. You're here today to listen to us, me, me specifically, <laughs> talk about Joan Jett. Beth Ann does not have an outline in front of her. So no. She I'm, ha- I'm sitting in the corner of my couch just sulking. <laughs> she has none of these facts. Um, and this is one that we've, or I've gotten requested a lot. Like this is a lister. This since, is coming yeah, off of your list. This is coming off the list. Also, at least three people I can think of have asked me about this at some point in the history of this show. So the day has come. We're here. Uh, we're spoiler for next next round of episodes. We're knocking two big ones off the list Nick. We are anyway. But today we're talking about the one and only Joan Jet. Joan and Jett. this story did not go in the direction I thought it was going to go. So I'm very excited to present this. Also, apparently Motley Crue,
0: Poison, and Joan Jet are on tour together.
1: Yes. I really want to go to the Charlotte show. Which now that um one of my spring shows has been canceled, may happen. Mm. So I'm not sure how I feel about Motley Crue live. So Joan Jett was born Joan Marie Larkin on September 22nd, 1958. To James and Dorothy Larkin in Wynwood, Pennsylvania. Mm. Which is a suburb of Philadelphia. She's the oldest of three children. Her father was an insurance salesman. Her mother was a secretary. So, you know, mm-hmm. your typical white American family. Yes. Um. Her family was Protestant and they attended church and that kind of stuff. But they were not strict in her religious upbringing. They just kind of went to church on Sunday and they're like, that's it for the week. See you again box. next week. In 1967, her family moved to Rockville, Maryland, which is a great name for a city. Very good name. Considering what she would grow up to be. (laughs) Yes. Um, She got her first guitar when she was 13. She got it for Christmas. There's like a really cute photo of her opening it. And she started to take some guitar lessons, but that did not last long because her instructor kept insisting that she learn folk songs and be like Joni Mitchell. And she did not want to be like Joni Mitchell. She wanted to rock. Yeah. And she knew this at a very young age.
0: I also could not imagine her singing in a Joni Mitchell type disposition. <laughs> Me neither. It doesn't seem to, it doesn't sit well with my. No. Vibes. No.
1: Um, As she was growing up, she went to the movies with her mother a lot. That was like the thing they did together to, to bond. Um, And the, the movie that left the biggest impression on little Joan was Cabaret with Liza Minnelli. Oh.
0: I can see that. I can see it, especially the makeup.
1: Yes. She loved how campy it was, right. how over the top it was. And it, it went on to inspire a lot of her work. Um, jumping ahead to when she was going to clubs in the 70s, mm-hmm. she kind of felt like at home because all these clubs gave off the same vibe as cabaret. Yes. And that's all she would wanted for her entire life. Um, but Jumping back to her childhood, uh, I guess when she was like 15, 16, It was around 14, 15, sorry. Mm -hmm. Her family moved to West Covina, California, which is in Los Angeles County, because they wanted to give her the opportunity to pursue her musical interests. Good parent. Shortly after this move, her parents divorced. Mm. Um, So she changed her name to Joan Jett, which she told everyone at the time was her mother's maiden name. Mm -hmm. There's some debate on whether it's actually her mother's maiden name. But it she thought it had more of a rock star sound yeah, than uh, alliteration. Joan Larkin, so yeah, props props are changing it. And so in this episode, we can't talk about Joan Jett without talking about the runaways. The runaways probably could get their own episode. Maybe I'll come back and talk about them all individually at some point. Mm-hmm. But in order to tell the overarching story of Joan, we got to talk about the runaways. So at the age of 14. Joan wants to make an all-girl rock band. I love it. This is like her goal in life. And so she meets up with drummer Sandy West. They get connected through some very sketchy publicist guy that we're not going to talk about because he definitely had some sexual abuse allegations. So, you know, he's not in the story for as much as I can avoid him. Um, So she meets Sandy West. Sandy's 15. Joan is 14. They also team up with Jackie Fox. Lita Ford, who's going to go on to have her own fantastic career, and Cherie Curie, which would complete the classic Runaways lineup. Um, fun fact, Curie was the, the lead vocalist. They, When they auditioned her, Joan and Sandy didn't know how to play the song that she auditioned with, so they really, really quickly wrote a song in about five minutes so that they could all be on the same page. That song was cherry bomb. No way. Yes. It wasn't really meant... That's crazy. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be like a song. It was just to get a good read on Cherie, and it ended up being arguably The Runaway's greatest hit. Um, So at this point in her life, Joan's not ready to be like a front woman. Yeah. She's just playing guitar and doing some backup vocals. Cherie is the front woman of the band. Yeah, but she is writing... Or co-writing most of the band's material along with the other girls. The Runaways would record three albums with this lineup and they would tour pretty much everywhere. Opening for a Cheap Trick, The Ramones, mm-hmm. Van Halen, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, what a good time.
0: Dude, The Ramones and a Joan Jett and the Heartbreaker show. I'd go back in time to see that.
1: Yes. Um, and their mission at, at the core of the band was to show the world that girls could play rock and roll. Cause at the time, hell yeah. an all female band had not been done. I love it. Like you can't think of a, a band. You had no. solo artists. You had people like Joni Mitchell who were really successful doing the nice pretty thing. Right. But no one who's like in your face, like fuck the patriarchy. Yeah. Like the runaways were doing. Um, and when they started this endeavor, people were like, oh, that's so cute. Like, mm-hmm. uh, look at look at this very cute
0: what, what's the word
1: condescending condescending. Thank yeah. You. Look at this cute little girl band. They're just they're just so adorable. But when they got serious and were more than just like a party trick and started recording albums and touring. The media and the press and how people talk to them immediately went from "Oh, that's cute and that's sweet" to "They're sluts and they're whores."
0: Interesting
1: mm-hmm. that, that that you can either be cute or a whore. That's it. You can never just be the two genders. Good. The two <laughs> the two genders of being a female: cute and whore. <laughs> <laughs> um. And because of this attitude towards them, people did, you know, the classy thing and would throw beer bottles and shit at them while they performed. Joan actually had her head split open at one point (gasps) by a beer bottle. Holy
0: cow. Holy shit.
1: Yeah. She had like seven stitches or something crazy. Because people couldn't accept that women were here and they wanted to rock. In one of the band's first interviews, keep in mind, no one in the band is over the age of 17 at this point. Like, they're all minors. Right. They're asked about sex. and Holy shit. If the band only exists so that they can have sex. Are you kidding? No, that, that's like their first interview question. And so Joan being... Not th- like, how did you become a band? No. It's all about sex. God. Uh So Joan being like... The, she wasn't the front woman, but she was very much the one who got to answer the interview questions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, She had to make like a very split decision at the age of 16... Of how she's gonna answer this, and she knew that if she answered the question, it would be all the media would ever talk about, and all the runaways would ever be would just be sex, yeah, so she made it a point to only ever answer questions like that about the music. She would just dodge the sexuality question. that's probably the best way to do it, which at sixteen, like I wasn't that smart at sixteen, no, no. so props to her uh fun fact, the band got arrested at Disneyland once, hell, yeah. You want to
0: know what they did? Let me guess. They climbed Matterhorn. Nope. And they held a flag that said, fuck the Patriarch.
1: No, literally nothing even that badass. They took a picture with their arms around each other and the park kicked them out for being lesbians. <laughs> lesbians! Because how dare you take a picture with your lesbians. friends? Lesbians! Well, La Dollar Beans. Um. So yeah, they just had like a big like, target on their back. The media loved to just attack them for no reason. Yeah. Um. So that's cool. In typical U.S. fashion, they weren't popular here, but they were really popular outside the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, it did not help at the time that radio stations had a literal policy that they were held to, that they were only allowed to play one female song an hour. So fuck that. Jesus. They were not allowed to play two in the same hour block.
0: Why so these got... the men would be a little bit intimidated. Yeah. How dare they? How dare they? How dare they not play 10 men artists <laughs> straight. Sorry. I, I, d- I don't know how to answer that question. Tape.
1: It's it's some stations still have that role today. Fun fact. Really? Yes.
0: Oh, that's stupid.
1: Yes. Pay attention to the radio when you're listening. Uh but in the UK, being the UK and the punk scene, they got it and the band was embraced with open arms. Yeah. Um, fun fact, while they were, while they were in the UK, I don't know if they were technically living there, but they were there for a while. Um, Joan started dressing in like bondage gear at this point. It's it's a seventies. That's a big thing in the punk scene. It really is.
0: Idol did it. Robert Smith did it. So she
1: bought this belt at the pleasure chest in Hollywood and had these big rings Mm -hmm. that she ended up giving to Sid Vicious, who wore that belt (laughs) everywhere. Came from Joan Jett. That's funny. Um, and they, they owe the, the fact that the UK opened them, like embraced them so easily with, because of the sex pistols, like mm-hmm. they had already kicked off the punk movement and everything over there. Um, and they thought that was cool. They're like, hell yeah, fame and, great Britain. But then they get to Japan and J- Japanese fangirls have no chill. And I love that about them. Mm-hmm. They greet the runaways. Like they're the fucking Beatles. I love it. They get off a plane and there's like thousands of screaming girls just have swarmed the airport I love it as they should as they should which is super cool um so altogether this band in various forms did do five albums from 1975 until they disbanded in spring of 1979 they disbanded for a lot of reasons they started a band when they were like 14 and 15 yeah not gonna last until you're an adult right it's just not um but also we're I mentioned creepy manager who definitely has some allegations against him. He just didn't help thing. Mm-hmm. He did very questionable things. The band um the thing that kind of was the final knife in the band was when they were in Japan, he set up this photo shoot with Sheree, didn't tell the other band members about it and told Sheree not to tell the other band members about it. Uh-oh. A couple of months later the photos come out in their tour booklet and it's basically softcore porn. she's still a minor and she's wearing like this corset and like lingerie and it's not like playboy level but it's but still considering she's a minor yeah it's
0: that's terrible
1: real fucking creepy um and he basically turns the other girls against Cherie by they get mad that she didn't tell them but she couldn't tell them that she did it and they think it was her idea and like it just drives a big wedge between the band and they're already fighting and yeah. It just breaks them up. Um, uh, Final notes about The Runaways before we go into her solo career. There is a movie made about this. Uh, It stars Kristen Stewart as Joan Jett. Okay, yeah. I think I remember that. I was going to watch it, but of the five streaming services I pay for, none of them had it included, so I didn't.
0: I feel like it was an indie piece.
1: It had some backing by Joan, actually, which is interesting. Um, Dakota Fanning is Cherie, which personally I would have cast Miley Cyrus as Cherie, mm-hmm. but that's just me. So, band has broken up. Mm-hmm. Joan does not take this well. This is her whole life mission. Right. To prove that a, that girls can rock and this is going to work. So she feels like a failure. She falls into a bit of a spiral and does things that are a little self-destructive, such as starting to drink at 8 a.m. every day and... Just, she's not in a good place. She said she felt like all of L.A. was laughing at her because um, she rallied for this so hard and then it, it failed. Right. She partied so hard and beat herself up so much she actually wound up with a heart infection and almost died. Oh, jeez. Just because of the the lack of sleep and the drugs and stuff. Yeah. Um, she actually briefly considered joining the military so that she could straighten up because she knew she'd have to if she enlisted. Yeah. Uh, But the only reason she didn't is because the band, the Runaways, still had some legal obligations. And she was the only one willing to fulfill those contracts. She really didn't want legal troubles added to her plate of failure.
0: Right. So she
1: showed up for those those last things that they were con- contractually obligated to. Which ended up being the foundation for the rest of her career. So one of these things is a film that... I don't know why the Runaways were contracted to a film. I really don't know. um, But it they she had to go work on this project and the team involved had eight days to create six songs for a film based on the runaway's career that ended up being called we're all crazy now which is a quiet riot song yeah so we don't really know what's happening um also kind of ended up being kind of like softcore porn what is up with these men's obsession with young females it was th- some sketchy stuff happened um Jeez they ended up hiring actresses to stand in for the other girls who left, which, why are you even trying to make a movie at this point? Right. But whatever. Oh, no shit. Um, but in this process, she meets songwriter and producer Kenny Laguna, who, to this day, she still works with. We stand, Kenny. I wrote we that in Kenny. my name. We Got love it. Kenny. Um, She, they are the definition of best friends. Like, if Aww. you, I watched the bio the biography. Biography? That's the right word. Documentary. Documentary is the <laughs> right word. The documentary Bad Reputation, which was produced by Joan, um, but Miley Cyrus is there because she and Joan are pretty close. Oh, that's nice. And Miley has these wonderful, lovely comments about Kenny and Joan's relationship about how they're basically married without the sex, and that's actually better than being married and having sex because they're just, like, the best friends in the oh, world. I love that. They bicker... But they keep each other on track, and they're just, like, great creative partners. Yeah. They've been together for, I don't know what year this is, it's 80, 1980 to now. Like, that's wow. 40 years of yeah, that's working together. Years. So we stand, Kenny. Um, Kenny Laguna actually came from a background of bubblegum pop, hmm. which made it him kind of a marketing genius because he knew how that world worked. And he was right. able to, we'll see, he's able to translate some of that into the rock world. And help Joan really get, like, jump-started. Yeah. But that's skipping ahead. Right now, we're getting to the part where Joan needs a band. Because the Runaways are no more. Yeah. So they, what did she and Kenny do? They put an ad in the paper. <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. That's where some of the best bands are born. And it says, Joan Jett looking for three good men. <laughs> Which ah. could be taken another way. But, you know... I like the tongue-in-cheek of it, though. Um, She wound up with these band members. They don't end up staying, but uh, they're worth pointing out. John Doe of the band X, which there's no way that's his real name. uh, He sat in on bass for the auditions, but ended up not joining the band. He actually knew another guy, Gary Ryan, because Gary Ryan had been sleeping on his couch. Um, good way to get him off the couch <laughs> he needed a job He his real name is Gary Moss but Gary Ryan's a better yeah, stage Gary name Ryan's better. he joined, the reason he changed his name when he joined blah, blah, blah. the reason he changed his name is because in 1979 when he joined the Blackheart he didn't want anyone to know that he was only 15
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to do it
1: but Ryan knew guitarist Eric Amble, who also joined the band. And they also, the third member they added was Danny Furious, in quotations, O'Brien of the San Francisco band The Avengers. He didn't last long. He got replaced after the first tour by a guy named Lee Crystal, but that is the founding Blackhearts. Several of them have changed, but, nice, you know, got a shot at the first one. So with this lineup, they start looking. Her record label, As You Do. And they got 23 rejection letters from 23 labels. Yeah, they tend to do that. And the labels all cited Joan's history with the runaways, the music scene at the time, and people, quote, didn't think the girl with a guitar thing was going to work.
0: That's stupid.
1: Which is a bullshit answer.
0: That's stupid.
1: Um And... Kenny, coming from the bubblegum pop world, just didn't understand why this was so hard to promo. Because to him, like, a girl with a guitar was nothing weird. Yeah. She had talent. Like, he was like, they're freaking stupid for not signing her and her band. She's great. So they decided to change it up a little bit. They moved from L.A. to New York. They play these, what they called rock incubator clubs. Mm -hmm. um, Your classic. uh, Classic starter clubs. Yeah. In a four hour radius from the city. They'd make $500 a night, which barely covered the expenses to get out there. But it was money.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and they, they got a small record deal in Europe. But once again, they really struggled to make it here in the U.S. Because no one will sign them. They got a record distribution deal. Like they weren't signed to an actual label for mm-hmm. recording purposes. Um, but no one here in the U.S. will make their records. So what do you do? leave the US. Kenny had a four month old daughter at the time. So he empties out his daughter's college fund. There's like $4,000 in there. Prints the records himself and takes a shot in the dark. They start selling these records from the trunk of his Cadillac at the back of the venues when they played shows in these little tiny little clubs. Um, at the time selling records at a show was like something no one had done. I don't know why. It makes Weird. sense now, nowadays. Yeah, But I think to get records, you had to go to the record store. And in order to get in the record store, you had to have backing by a label. Right. Um. So, this is the start of Blackheart Records, which is still a record label to this day. Um. And I wrote my notes. And that, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends, is how you become a punk rocker and stick it to the man. That's right. You take things into your own hands. Correct. They figured out how to do it on their own, and that you didn't need a bunch of guys in suits to start a label. Say it again. You don't need a bunch of guys in suits to start a label. Correct. Uh, This worked a little too well, and Kenny, doing his little homemade job, was not able to keep up with demand for the album. This is her self-titled album, Joan Jett. Mm -hmm. Um, So he has a friend who is the... Founder of Casablanca Records, okay, which at the time is known as being a disco label, but they yeah. did have Kiss on the roster randomly. Um, his name's Neil Bogart, and he makes a joint venture with Kenny and Joan and signs th- them to his new label, Boardwalk Records. And um, he re-releases the Joan Jet album as Bad Reputation, mm. but did not consult Kenny or Joan Problem. before doing so. Which immediately pisses off Kenny because he was like, what the fuck was even the point of this deal? Right. Kenny's from New York. Uh, I, I could tell. What the, so um, what the fuck's point of the deal? Yeah, basically. So when it came time to do her second album, he said, nah, we don't need you anymore. Took their own money that they had made off the sales from Casablanca <laughs> and printed I Love Rock and Roll, um, which pissed off Casablanca guy. He told Kenny, quote, you're a cult marketer. I'm a mass marketer. I have two Rolls Royces, which makes me smarter than you. Dumb. <laughs> I've never heard a more dumb sentence
0: in my life. I have-, I have two Rolls Royces, so that makes me smarter than you.
1: Yes. Said so that every Ivy League
0: dropout ever. Yes.
1: You can picture this dude. He's wearing a white suit. He's got the gold chain you around his had neck. You to say it. I knew hair combed yes. over
0: big glasses yes Uh,
1: i don't know if it's what he looks like i'm gonna google him later i'm assuming he does but this is what he looks like to us um so yeah no needless to say joan jet took off and casablanca guy was wrong um so they make i love rock and roll in 1982 what else is happening at 1982 mtv is yet but a baby channel baby channel so the head of MTV, because Kenny knows everyone, because he's been in the industry forever, yeah, calls Kenny up and begs him to make a video for "I Love Rock and Roll" that they can play, and Kenny agrees to it. But he's like, "Look, you can only do this if you play it twice a day, no more, because I don't want this to get like get oversaturated." Get oversaturated. Yeah. Well, MTV doesn't listen and played it 16 times a day. <laughs> Holy shit! Which freaked Kenny out. But it stayed number one for eight weeks. Well, then it works. So it all worked out. I just said that the song was number one on Billboard Hot 100 for eight weeks. And it's actually Billboard's number 56th song of all time and has been inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame oh. in 2016. How so about that? it worked. Joan Jett released an album just called Album in 1983. That's a whole new take on self-titled. Which, it's really confusing, honestly. When you're trying to research Joan Jett album, yeah. we're all confusing. So we just skipped that one. Her next album was called Glorious Results of a Misspent Youth in 1984. That's a good name. And she really hits her stride. She she has a string of top 40 hits. She goes on sellout tours with the police, Queen, and Aerosmith. Like, she's rocking. Uh, she was actually one of the first English-speaking rock acts to appear in Panama and mm-hmm. the Dominican Republic. Her situation in Panama got a little dicey. Not as dicey as Billy Idol in Thailand. <laughs> but <he> didn't get, <laughs> she didn't get carried out on a stretcher. No, by the Thailand, by the <laughs> Panama, the thai, thai police, the Thai police. No, she actually did a live Panamanian TV talk show where like thousands of people gathered around. You know, like, Good Morning America style. Um, But when she tried to leave the studio, a riot ensued. Interesting. So President Noriega, not a great guy, calls the Panamanian National Guard to come rescue Joan Jett. He sends his presidential plane to pick her up and brings her back to the presidential palace. Joan Mm. Jett was like, what the fuck? So she calls the um, the m. Embassy? Embassy. I'm going to say emissary. The embassy and the U.S. military gets called in to fly her out of the country. Jeez. Just, uh... What a situation. Hanging out with Noriega. In 1987, she hosts her own MTV New Year's Eve special, which come in full circle from play my video two times a day to...
0: Hosting a New Year's, New Year's, Eve. New Year's
1: Eve special. She started to get into acting. So she... Appears in this movie called Light of Day with Michael J. Fox. And in the interview, Michael J. Fox just talks about how great of an actress she is. Like, you can't... To a point, you can't teach acting. Yeah. Um, And Joan is not a trained actor. But he said that she was able to just click in to the character she needed to be. And she'd be scary because her role in, in that movie... There's a lot of yelling and fighting that happens between his character and her character. And... He couldn't ever tell when she had switched on. When she had switched on, he was scared of her if she was Jeez. in character. Jeez. Um fun fact, Bruce Springsteen wrote a song for that movie. Hmm. All the podcast episodes are now getting connected. Yes. In a, <laughs> in, a in a web. She uh, a rocky web. Around this time there were some, some band member changes in the Blackheart. They're really not important in the scheme of things. There's lots of switching that happens from here on out. Later that same year, so we're in 1987, she releases her album called Good Music. Not the best album names coming out of Joan Jett. I'm sorry. (laughs) Album, Good Music, Joan Jett. Um, And this album has appearances by the Beach Boys, the Sugar Hill Gang, and Darlene in Love. Her next release was in 1988. It's called Up Your Alley. It went multi-platinum and includes the amazing banger, I Hate Myself for Loving You, which peaked at number eight. Fun fact about this song, it's been used as a theme song for Sunday night NFL games in the U.S. for two whole seasons. Mm. I don't remember this because it was 2006 and 2007, yeah, but...
0: I don't remember either.
1: It was. Jumping forward to the 90s. In the summer of 92, there were a series of like pretty serious riots in a D.C. suburb. I did not catch the name in the documentary of the exact suburb, but whatever particular suburb this was, was known for having a lot of punk women in the suburb that were very political. Mm -hmm. And so someone in Joan Jett's circle were like, well, fuck it. Let's have a girl riot because it's riot girl movement. Yeah. Play on words. (laughs) Ha ha. It's funny. Um, And so they have this like impromptu concert in the middle of the riot, which isn't the safest thing to do. So wait, here's a riot, and then they clear out an opening. Yeah, pretty deploy. much. Pretty much. It was the 90s. We didn't make good decisions, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, but at this impromptu girl riot concert, Joan Jett gets connected with Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And from this moment on, Joan like somehow got her number through a friend after seeing her perform at this concert that she was also at. Um, called her the next day and Kathleen refused to believe that it was her. She's like, there's no fucking way Joan Jett's calling my house. Like this just, this isn't going to happen. She said she walked over to the poster that she had of Joan Jett on her wall and was like, well, fine. If you're really Joan Jett, describe your haircut. And I'm like, anyone could have done that, Kathleen. Yeah,
0: that's, that's, ask a birthday.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> somehow she proved to Kathleen that she really was Joan Jett. Um, And she took her under her wing and mentored her every step of the way. She got Bikini Kill up and running. She took everything that she and Kenny had learned getting Mm -hmm. her Girl with a Guitar act to, you know, international fame and just mentored Bikini Kill every step of the way. In 1993, if you listen to one of our Muses episodes, you would know that the Gits, Mia Zapata, was found Mm -hmm. strangled. Um, and Joan took this really hard because she felt like this could have very well been her at some point in her life. Right. She played the CD nightclubs for 500 bucks and had to walk home to make money. Um, so she felt like she had to do something about the whole situation. So she does a live show with the remaining members of the band to raise money to protect women walking home and to raise money to hire a private investigator to find the guy who killed Mia. So they record the show and release it as a live album under the name Evil Stig, which is Gets Live Backwards.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. And it, it pretty much, it's because of that, that the case even got any attention.
0: Right. Because didn't, um when we were talking about that episode, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, and Nirvana helped towards that too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Basically, if the musicians hadn't taken it into their own hands... It wouldn't have been solved. No, there's no way. And so Ugh. dog hair in my mouth. So for the rest of the nineties, she's mentoring these girls, but she's finding it really hard to keep her own momentum going. And she keeps finding herself like backtracking in the kind of gig she's playing. Mm-hmm. Where she was playing stadium shows, then it falls to like nightclubs and back to what yeah. she was doing at the beginning. Um and it just... It didn't sit right. They try out some other stuff. Um, like in 1994, they released an album called Pure and Simple, which does feature Kathleen Hanna. Features Kat Bellin, Belen? Belen? Belen from Babes in Toyland. And L7's Danita Sparks. So, sort of like, she's trying to collab with other women, but it's the 90s. The sound has changed. It's, it's
0: completely different than the 80s.
1: As we all know. Um... So she's just they're just she's struggling to get recognition um she never really gets back to her peak I mean we all know who she is but yeah you don't see her playing solo stadium tours anymore um now you may remember that at one point in her life she briefly considered joining the military mm-hmm. and she's always kind of felt guilty that she never served and she's always felt conflicted because she's very anti-war but loves the people in the military and yeah. love supporting them for their choices um so she's made it a point throughout her entire career to go out and play military bases all over the world when 911 happened the first thing that she thought once you know we started deploying troops was i've got to get over there but things are chaotic in an active war zone and especially at that time in the world um and they did they were like you can come but like we don't want you to bring your band yeah you can just come hang out if you want but like don't don't no pressure it's it's cool it's cool um, so she went and spent, like, months touring different bases and thanking them and just boosting morale. And it's just a really badass thing that she does. Like, no one's making her do that. There's yeah. no, like, Don Jet, you have to go on a support the troops rally tour. Like, it's something she does on her own time, on her own time. And it, it really makes, I'd say, the month of these troops that she goes and visits. Sure. Um, She's been in more active war zones than anyone else, including senators, congressmen, most politicians. Like her, man, it's crazy. She was the first person to entertain the troops in the Kosovo War, the first non-combatant to sleep in an ongoing war zone in Afghanistan. Um, I don't know what that bullet point says. We're gonna skip that. Um, So on top of mentoring and inspiring band members, like mm-hmm. Kathleen and the rest of the Gits, Miley Cyrus, to name to name a few. She also inspired one of the most badass current CEOs of a record company, in my opinion, and that is Carrie Ann Laguna, Kenny's daughter, who now manages Blackheart Records. No way. Yes. So in the early 2000s, they're still struggling to like make money at this point blackheart yeah. records is still publishing records but kenny is just doing it in that classic good old boy way of like he knows a guy who knows a guy who needs a record made and so they make mm-hmm. it and they barely break even and they don't make any money right and so kathleen come uh, kathleen where the fuck did Ka- kathleen hannah carrie ann his daughter comes onto the scene which i mean it was her college fund when she right. was four months old. that It seems right. Yes. That made this happen. Um, and so he was like, Carrie Ann, what, what the fuck do I do? I'm old. You have a like younger point of view on things. This is the early 2000s. He has refused to take the label onto iTunes at this point because he saw it as an enemy. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm selling the I Love Rock and Roll record for $17. Why the fuck would I sell it for a dollar? Which is a valid question. Sure. McCarrion convinces him that it's the right move. In the first month of Joan's music being available on iTunes, they sold 70,000 downloads of I Love Rock and Roll. And he was like, Welp. Uh, I was
0: wrong. That was a good call.
1: Yes. Um, She's also the one that at about 2005, I don't know the exact year, 2005, 2006, Joan's just feeling really deflated. She's like, I don't know. What I'm doing, like, is there a place for me in the music scene anymore? Things have changed. We got My Chemical Romance now. Like, what the fuck's happening? Hard to
0: compete.
1: So, Carrie Ann was like, You know what you're gonna do? You're gonna go on Warp Tour. And everyone was like, She was on Warp Tour? She was on Warp Tour.
0: Holy shit.
1: Everyone was like, Why the fuck is Joan Judd on Warp Tour? And it was one of the best things that Carrie Ann could have done for her career. It reignited her passion for music. She was feeling super uninspired. She got to hang out with all these younger bands that yeah. had grown up on her music. Um, and in turn, Joan being on the tour inspired a lot of bands that had like worshipped her. In the documentary, um, Billy Joel, Billy Joe Armstrong is there and mm. he's like, We got to hang out with Joan Jett. Like he's just awestruck still right. to this day that like, he got to hang out with Joan Jett on Warp Tour. Um they got to hang like these people got to hang out with their heroes, which is super cool. Um. So, Kenny did formally hand Blackheart Records over to Carrie Ann, which I say, fuck yes. Mm-hmm. We love that. And she has made the label, like nowadays, a place for people who don't fit into the classic record label box. Which has always been their mission. And Joan's history, Joan's pioneering and her history with Kenny leading the way has made that possible. Which I love. Um, I put the acting thing in here twice, so we're gonna skip that. This is just the random, uh, random, the random, list. random list that doesn't fit anywhere else. So Joan has been a huge sports fan her entire life. Um, she, she used to when Mike Tyson was fighting, they would have a routine where she would call him on fight days to wake him up. <laughs> And I love that. She did this every single fight. Um, And the first fight day that she did not call him was the day that he fought Buster Douglas, which was his first career loss. Oh, no. So um, I'm not saying that Joan was Mike's good luck charm. But
0: she don't fucked it up.
1: The evidence is there. Um, And bad reputation was used by UFC women's bantamweight champion Ronda Rousey as her walkout song in her big fight at UFC 157. I think that's the one she won. I don't fucking know. Um, but it's also her current theme music in the WWE. I always forget she's in the WWE now, but she is. Uh, her signature guitar, which normally I don't talk about, but I feel like I had to because I sympathize with Joan. Her current guitar that she's known for is that white Gibson Melody Maker. Mm-hmm. She's owned that and played that since 1977, which she actually brought, bought off of Eric Carmen when the Raspberries broke up. Hmm. He wasn't using it. Um, But in the Runaways, she was using a blonde Les Paul, which she says, it's beautiful, I still have it, but it's heavy as shit.
0: Uh, <laughs> There's
1: some truth to that. She said, I jump and Les run. Les Pauls
0: are so heavy. They're
1: so fucking heavy. It actually, she says she jumps and runs a lot on stage, and it was really getting to her shoulder, so she yeah. had to buy a lighter guitar, which I don't mean. Joan's, I get it. Joan's not a, a tall person. Like, Gibsons are heavy. Someone needs to design a Les Paul that's not, like, 800 pounds. Yeah. That's really what the world needs. Oh, absolutely. Um, So moving on to her legacy, She's been dubbed the godmother of punk, the original Riot girl. She's also been described as the queen of rock and roll. She's been extremely influential in the world, like on every kind of political and social matter. Um, in a time and a space when a lot of artists are afraid to take a side. She's very outspoken on her opinion on animal rights, feminism, gay rights, trans rights, anti-war, and like lots of other things. But she's not mushy about it. Just states your opinion. If you don't like it, you can fuck off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She's also inspired countless musicians. I mentioned Miley Cyrus, obviously Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill, um, but also Dave Grohl, which I just finished I reading. I I just finished reading his book, The Storyteller. And he tells this adorable story about when he was, I think they're touring in the UK and they found themselves in Harrods in London. Mm-hmm. And he told his daughters, like, okay, you have You have five minutes to find something. I'll buy you whatever you want, but you only have five minutes. And so he's, of course, running around the store with with them. And he finds a Joan Jett Barbie doll and he buys it. He's like, well, hell yeah, I got to have this. Like, this is uh, is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. Like, Joan Jett's my hero. And so he brings it home and teaches his daughters, like, who Joan Jett is and shows them her music videos. And they're just, you know, awestruck. They don't think Joan Jett's a real person. Well, then he invites Joan Jett over to his house, Aww. and the girls are like, she's real? That's so cute. It's the cutest freaking story. Um, and he actually got to play with her at Nirvana's Rock Hall of Fame induction, because she did the lead vocals in lieu of Kurt not being there. Wow. It's fucking awesome. That's awesome. Watch the performance. Um, And then she herself was inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame, which... Thank God she was, because if she wasn't, I was gonna riot. Miley Cyrus gave her induction speech, and she starts it with I'm gonna start this induction with the first time I wanted to have sex with Joan Jet.
0: <laughs> I love Miley Cyrus.
1: It was when they were on Oprah together, if anyone was curious. Um, her speech is really fucking funny. Uh, and I want to end on the this note. In a very early interview, like runaways, 15-year-old, early Joan Jett, she says, when they write the ultimate history of rock and roll, I want my name to be there as standing for something, being one of the first females to play rock and roll and have that rock and roll spirit. And then I have a quote that I don't know what I pulled from. She didn't just open the door for women in rock. She took out a sledgehammer and knocked down the whole damn wall. So this is my formal application to admit Joan Jett, the mentor, as our ninth Ooh. patron saint. Approved.
0: Yes. Approved. The council approves. The
1: council approves.
0: I mean, Rody's upstairs sleeping, but he approves. He approves.
1: We just could not have girl groups the way that we have. Right. The runaways, and Joan specifically had not fought for it. No, I agree. And taking the Good beer choice. bottle to the head for us. Good choice.
0: Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Good Pods. Special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. You can visit our website at ShieldRocky.com. There you'll find our social, show notes, contact us, and our merch other than that
1: don't do drugs don't do drugs but fuck the
0: patriarchy